We are here again for Lawyer Talk 511. That's channel511.com if you're really curious. But uh, Lawyer Talk another Wednesday, waiting on the Blitz interface as usual. And then after that, uh, we are going to cover some Chauvin updates. There is a big trial going on in the country. There's lots of stuff I've seen, lots of, I don't want to call it media misinformation, but certainly misleading <coughs> information. His drug dealer wouldn't take the stand because he did not want to get uh, charged with his death. Anything he mm-hmm. says can and will be used against him in a court yes. of law. And in it's another true. world, people do get indicted for supplying drugs to those who overdose. It happens all the time. Dun, dun, dun. dun, 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 dun. Yeah. There is testimony from a police chief that was seemingly damning, but as I gave it the lawyer talk analysis, I have a different take on it, which we'll get to later uh, at the table. Let's just do it. We, we have almost a full table. Beard not here. He's busy. But uh, we got Brett from Circle 270 Media filling in. We got Jared. We got the ex-checker over in the uh, command central station. Check. We almost have a fully operational Death Star. I keep I keep warning to stream live, but we are uh, we're very close. And you know, that, of course, means that not only our show will stream live, we got the comedians. That's about to go live. We got uh, lots of shows from Brett that are going to go live. And yours could, too. What do I mean by that? You can just reach out, contact us, channel511.com, ohiolegaldefense.com. Send us a smoke signal, stop by, telegraph, telegram, whatever it is. Uh, we'll get you set up with your own podcast for your business, for your pleasure, or just to do it for the sake of doing it. Either way, we got you covered. Uh, so stand by. We got the Blitz. It looks like they are coming on now. Dial 821-9970. If you need free legal advice on Loper and Randy, better call Steve. All right. We are live with our buddy Steve Palmer. And if you guys want to get in, 821-9970 or 99700 on text. Hey, Steve, what's up, man? Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? So I want to ask you real quick. We're doing great, by the way. Uh, Randy's not here today. She's not doing so great, but... Uh... I'm here. Kelly's here. Thick Rick is here. We're all doing great. Um, <laughs> so I'll let Kelly uh, break this down. I think she can do the best job with the, this whole situation involving Harvey Weinstein. Gotcha. Well, Harvey Weinstein filed an appeal uh, within the last couple of days, and it's a similar appeal that Bill Cosby made, at least one portion of it, uh, that the judge allowed a handful of women to testify against Weinstein to, I guess, show some type of pattern of predatory conduct. So he wasn't charged with the rapes or assaults of these women, but they were allowed to testify about being assaulted by Weinstein. And basically his attorneys are saying that he didn't get a fair trial yeah. because of that. Yeah, that, that's here's the issue. This is uh, evidence rule 404B, so we don't need to get too hyper-technical, but here's the general rule. You're not allowed to convict <laughs> I didn't know some... you're going to go to 404B, yeah. Steve. <laughs> I right. wasn't ready, but here that's we go. Right. So you're not allowed to convict somebody based on past conduct just to show. So I can't put on your bad character evidence just to show you acted that way this time. Now, there's right. exceptions. Under 404B, the exceptions are things like if you would— if you're saying, no, I didn't do this, she misinterpreted my advances as something else, but then you have this history of a pattern and practice of those similar advances being actually sexual, then maybe the evidence comes in not to show you're a bad person and you did it just because you did it before, but rather to show it wasn't a mistake, you knew exactly what you were doing. Um, but this is about the most confused and misconstrued and misapplied rule of evidence there is, and it doesn't surprise me at all that this is the challenge of the case. So. The idea is you don't want a bunch of old prior acts 
uh, forming the basis of your conviction. The danger is, of course, that if the jury hears it, uh, you did it a thousand times or a hundred times or five times before, they're going to be more likely to convict you for the wrong reasons, not the evidence in the case that you're fighting, but the, the allegations made before. Now, the other problem is they may never have even been proven. So there's got to be some evidence and there's, there's got to be some degree of proof that you actually committed the other acts. And, you know, what you don't want is a trial within a trial. You have a mini trial within the trial to determine whether you committed the old acts just to see if the new ones are, or if they come in as evidence against you on the new ones. I know it gets confusing, but that's the appellate issue. And like I said, it's, it's often confused and it's often misapplied and uh, it is often the basis of appeals and reversals of convictions. So in order to let these, uh, I think they were five or six women testify, even though he was not charged uh, in their uh, assaults, uh, did a judge have to rule whether there was enough evidence? Yeah. In the, you know, so he did. The judge had to say, yeah, there's enough. Because one of the people who did testify was the actress Annabella Sciorra, which we know her from movies and yeah, The Sopranos, right. et cetera. She was one of the people who testified, but he was not charged in her rape. But she testified that he did rape her. Yeah. Um, so a judge had to say, yes, there's enough evidence that you experienced a rape at this man's hands that you can get up and testify. Yeah. So the judge, generally speaking, makes all decisions on admissibility of evidence. And part of that decision making process would have been, uh, is there sufficient evidence to establish that uh, that uh, Weinstein actually committed this prior conduct? And then there's a second step of the analysis, which is, why are you offering into evidence this prior misconduct? So if there's got to be a purpose other than just to show he did it once, he did it before. It's got to be something else. It's got to be something more, and it's got to be something different than that. Otherwise, it would violate the rules of evidence. And then you get to this next inquiry, which is how prejudicial is it? I mean, what's the danger of a jury just looking at this and not even paying attention to why you're doing it or why you're admitting it, but just saying, boy, this guy's a real dirtball and a creep. We're going to convict him. He had to have done it this time because he did it last time. So there's always a danger, no matter what you instruct or tell the jury, they hear this damning evidence and they're going to hold it against Weinstein no matter what. And, you know, I think, you know, this is this is my wheelhouse. This is what I do. And this is where a lot of, uh, of people just think, well, it makes sense. I mean, he did it before. We should we should know that. But generally, we want folks to be convicted or acquitted on the evidence at hand that's admissible and relevant, not other stuff they did years ago. And. There's exceptions like everything, but uh, that's what's at stake here, it sounds like. Do you think there's a chance he could walk? Well, it's not about walking. It's about a new trial. If, if, if the jury heard this evidence and they convicted him and the court of appeals says, look, we think that this evidence should not have been admitted. The trial judge made a mistake, shouldn't have let this evidence into court. The jury should never have heard it. Then they have to decide in the court of appeals, well, how important was it? Because if, if it's overwhelming otherwise, if the evidence despite this inadmissible stuff about his prior acts to these other folks, if the evidence is so strong that that didn't matter, well, then it, it's harmless error. But if it did matter, and the Court of Appeals said, look, we think that this impacted the jury's decision. They relied on this evidence in a significant way and used it to convict him. Then the remedy is not that he walks free. It's that he gets a do-over. He gets to go back and do it over. It's like the old wiffle ball game. No, we're just going to do it over because we got it wrong. <laughs> Um, and it doesn't mean he walks. He just gets a new trial, and hopefully he'll hire me. All right. Well, uh, let's go to Kenny here for a custody question for Steve Palmer. Steve, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Kenny, you're on with Steve. What's up? Hey, um, so 
my daughter, my old, oldest daughter has been living with me for the last six months. Um, her mom doesn't want to give me custody. Um, she had left her husband and was leaving my daughter with the husband. And I had no idea. So I was like, you know, just let her come stay with me. But now she's wanting to take custody back. And I just don't know where I can start. Well, you always start in these situations with whatever the last court order was. Um, you know, th- this is. We, uh, we have never been through a court process or anything. Okay. Then you got to start with a court. I would say this if you guys cannot reach an agreement, if there's not some accord on what the custodial arrangement is, then you need to go to domestic court and file a request to have the court decide the parenting time. And there's different options. It could be a shared parenting plan with, uh, and they can on top of that or within that allocate the time that each of you gets. There could be one person is, uh, has, I guess, legal custody in the sense that you get to make decisions about uh, school, medical, et cetera. Uh, and you know, there, it could be some mix of all that. So, uh, it gets, it, it, I always tell people this, and you probably heard me say it on this show before, the best thing you can do in this situation, unfortunately, is go hire a lawyer who knows what they're doing in domestic court, because if this is going to be a contest, you probably don't want to steer this ship alone. You need to get some help, and you need to get some competent help. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've heard that Ohio is, quote, unquote, a mother state. Is that uh, you know, everybody says this and I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm going to come out and say that they're going to favor the mother over the father as far as custody. I think my experience poking around is that the Ohio courts, they, they like shared parenting. They like it when there's an agreement and the parents are working together in a shared capacity to make decisions jointly. And, and sometimes they like that to a fault. They really want a square peg to fit in that hole, even if it's round. And it's, it doesn't mean, though, that the courts are going to favor her over you. The theory is they should do what's in the best interest of the child. They should take both sets of circumstances, determine who's got what's best for the child, and then rule based on that. Now, is there are there individual judges that may just internally think, I think moms are better than dads or dads are better than moms? I mean, I can't say there is. I can't say there isn't. But, you know, generally, it's a pretty open process with, uh, guardians ad litem appointed to uh, represent the interest of the child. Uh, if you have lawyers, you can uh, voice your concerns. Uh, so I think I, I, what I would do, it sounds to me like you just need somebody to establish the rules of play, somebody to say, here's what the timing is going to be, here's how it's going to operate, and follow the rules. And if you don't, then you got to answer to the court. All right. All right. Hey, man, appreciate your call. Uh, take care, Kenny. Thank you. All right, man. Good luck with that. All right, one more segment with Steve Palmer, 821-9970. We'll go live with you. Get on the phone. Coming up next. All right, so we have one last segment here with Steve, and we have a, a pretty interesting text message here, Steve, uh, at 99700. Rick, you want to yeah. fill us in on this? All right. Uh, she says, uh, Steve, can my employer force me to get the COVID vaccine? I'm expecting a baby, and there isn't enough data to say this is safe, but they're saying that the, the COVID vaccine will be mandatory by June. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't have a great answer to this. The answer is maybe, and uh, I don't think it's all been uh, litigated like it will have to be litigated to figure that out. If you want my, if you want my best guess, uh, the courts will eventually, at least in Ohio, side on behalf of the employers here, and they're going to say no. The employers can mandate the vaccine, and but there'll probably be some catch-alls that have to do with uh, your own health situation, 
or other circumstances individually that are going to have to sort of be dangling exceptions in order to uh, throw a bone the other way. But um, I look, if you want my personal opinion on it, I don't think I think categorically no, uh, it should not be a law that that we all get vaccinated. Now, that's a different question. If you've got a private employer, can they say if you don't want to get your vaccine, you can't work for me? I would say that the government doesn't have any business regulating that one way or another, and it's going to come down to uh, litigation in the courts between the employer and the employee. Um, But I think it's going to get eventually uh, usurped, so to speak, by a law that will be in place that's going to either mandate the vaccine or mandate the vaccine under certain situations, and uh, that's what will that's what will tell the tale. But this is going to be a mess going forward. And, you know, I, I wish I had better answers for people. We're in a brave new world. And I mean that literally. I mean, what's going on is, uh, is, is never happened like this before. And there's been a grab of power out of the government that's never happened before. And we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so with that being said, is there anything that she can do to possibly stack the odds in her favor? Well, precautions. What, what I would do in that situation is contact an employment lawyer who is interested in taking on this kind of litigation. And she can reach out to me, 614-224-6142, and I'd be happy to talk her through it and get her referred somewhere. And I would make sure that I had my ducks in a row. I mean, it, I don't think it should be necessary that you have a condition that would make the vaccine uh, a bad fit for you. I think it should be enough that you just don't trust the vaccine and there's lots of good reasons for that if you just go explore, and some may disagree, some may agree, but uh, it should be down to the individual choice. And if you're going to have a government that regulates the employer-employee relationship on things like minimum wage, who you can hire, the gender of people hire, who you can hire, the race of people you can hire or can't hire, uh, et cetera, then the government's already stuck its head into this mess, I think. Um, and, and now... Uh, they're going to start having to go in different directions. And, and, and the result is going to be inconsistencies because on the one hand, um, it doesn't make any sense that you should not let an individual who's got a health condition uh, not get a vaccine. On the other hand, the government wants everybody to have a vaccine. So it, it's going to be this, it's going to come to a head sooner or later. And my guess is it'll be sooner. Government reach, the reason that George Washington did not accept being a king here in America. <laughs> Uh, interesting. Andrea just texted in and said, uh, I work at a nursing home in Canal Winchester. The vaccine is mandatory for all of us, except for pregnant women. Yeah. Well, well some kind but of it's interesting, though, because like I, I, I don't see that anywhere written. I mean, like, is that right. a law? Just, it seems that that's what everyone assumes. And like you feel that you hope and feel that that's the situation. But it's not always. Yeah. It's not always the best way to go through life like that, just hoping that that's the situation. Right. And then when you reach the destination, now you're in a mess. Well, look, like, I, I think I agree with you 100 percent. I think everybody should open their eyes to what's going on here. And, and irrespective of what you think is right or wrong for the whole of society, I think you, everybody needs to sort of understand that what is going on here is you have others dictating individual choices for you. And those others happen to be the federal and state governments and even though some of the local governments now, that has to be distinguished from a private employer. So this is, you know, this is an arm's length transaction. If I tell my employees, get your vaccine or you can't work here, then you have to question whether the government can intervene in my choice. Um, and I would say no. Uh, on the other hand, if uh, I say I don't care if you get the vaccine or not and, the, and other employees say, well, you have to force everybody to get a vaccine or I'm not going to work here, I would say, well, leave. I, I don't care. Um, so it's it's really that's a different matter. That's an individual uh, 
conflict that gets resolved individually in, in the court system. Now, when the government overreaches and steps in and starts passing laws regulating that relationship, then we have to watch out because they're going to, and it'll happen, they're going to pass some laws and rules about uh, who has to get vaccinated and who doesn't. There's going to be vaccine passports. It's all coming. All these crazy conspiracy theories a year ago are happening today. So uh, it's all coming. I have one question for you. So in regards to what's happening with voting in Georgia, uh, how does that differ from the laws in Ohio? Uh, I, you know, I don't know the nuance of the laws in Ohio, but I have poked around the Georgia law. And I would say anybody who thinks that this has made some drastic voter suppression change because the media has said so, just read the darn law, man. It, it's not it doesn't create any suppression at all. It's not. In fact, I think it expands uh, voter uh, opportunity in a lot of ways. All it did was set some rules of play. And you know, as far as I've heard people say they close the polls at five. Well, not just people. Biden said they close the polls at five. It's, you know, it's Jim Crow stuff. And the, the fact is, that's not true. It doesn't say that at all. Uh, people have said there you're not allowed to give food and water to folks in line. That's not true. You're just not allowed to go and, and politically campaign. And as a part of that, give people refreshments uh, or other gifts, frankly. So uh, it, it's misconstrued and it's being misstated by the media, which which sort of bugs me a little bit. I just encourage everybody to read the laws on their own. I think we're in a, we're in a day and age where two things are true. You've got mass media misinterpreting things either intentionally or unintentionally. But we also, because of the mass media, have the opportunity to have access to the original material. We can go just pull online a PDF of the Georgia law and read it. I encourage everybody to do that with everything that's happening and individually decide what's best. My man, Steve Palmer, each and every Wednesday right here on the show. Thanks, man. If they want to check out your podcast, they can get it at theblitz.com, or how can they find it through you? Yeah, just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. Check it out. Wherever you get podcasts, just search Lawyer Talk. You can find it, subscribe, download, do whatever. Good to talk to you, man. Yep. All right, well. That was good, man. I got I got to state my opinion. I get like, I get to <laughs> yeah. air it out. Like I, I I had a little window and I drove a freaking truck. <laughs> Big <through>. door open there. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I wish I was so measured as you. Well, you can't. Uh, but you know, you can't pound the table and scream at people because they shut down. Khrushchev did. Well, he did. He said he would bury us. You know what else? Without Khrushchev firing said? the shot, and he has. He is. But. Um, no, I, I think. I mean that 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 the question there about the employer, you know, I mean that's that that's thin water. I mean that's that's touchy. It's it's touchy because really, I guess the employer could say, hey, if you want to keep working here, you got to have this, or you quit your job. How is that not but discrimination? The, How is that? But well, like I, color I, of your skin well, or I, I don't know your or I, your sexual orientation. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure it out in my own head because like she's pregnant. What if as an employer, an employer said. Well, we mandate abortions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, isn't right. that kind of the, isn't that right. kind of the same? Yeah. I mean, here's, if, here's if, the if, thing. If you want to go crazy, think thing about, about it. Who's liable? We know the drug companies are not liable. If you get well, injured, you have so little recourse. I was forced to take a vaccine to keep my job, mm-hmm. and now I am sick, so I could because I didn't want to take it, but I, I needed to keep my job. So now you would be able to go after the employer. Does the employer assume? Does the employer assume some liability or responsibility for that? That's I would have question. to say they should. I would say that there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, there's yeah. a ton. Yeah. But let's start with the basic employer-employee relationship on a private level. So I'm talking to like your business, yes. Jared. All right. Now let's turn back the clock way before. Let's go back to like 1950. 
there was a time that you got to decide as an employer who you hired for any reason whatsoever and who you fired for any reason whatsoever, right? Now, you couldn't, there, there might have been some local state court level actions for, um, for some breach of contracts, et cetera, but you were allowed to make employer decisions based on race, based on gender, based on sexual preference or whatever else. And on the other hand, uh, and the government couldn't and wouldn't say anything about it. Now, the question is, is there, we have to go back and analyze that basic government interference into a private relationship at the, at the individual local level. Everybody assumes now and just takes for granted that, like Jay, you said, this is, you know, it's just discrimination. Well, you know, there's always discrimination in every higher decision that I have made because there's more than one candidate, generally speaking, and I've decided one versus the other. So I've discriminated by definition against one of the candidates. And then the issue is why? Um, and did I do it because of race or because of gender or because they were pregnant or because they were gay or because they were straight or whatever the situation would be? And, you know, I am not fundamentally on board with the government dictating my decision-making process as an employer. I am fundamentally against racial preferencing in employee-employer situations. I would never do it. I have always chosen the best candidate for the job. I don't care what's between your legs or what color your skin is or anything else. I want the person who's going to be the best candidate. I might care about your personality. I might care about... Uh, uh, how you carry yourself, how you act, whether you're capable, even if you're on paper awesome, but you're an asshole, I'm not going to hire you. I don't care if you're black, white, or yellow. It doesn't make a difference to me. Um, if you're an asshole, you're not getting hired. And here's what pr- the problem is not the goal of the government intervention. The problem is the outcome of the government invention or intervention. Because if I am not allowed or if I am chilled from making employer decisions, because I'm worried I'm going to get sued, then what happens? And it's rhetorical. I'm asking rhetorically, but things start to happen. I'll give you one example. Um, there, under Obama, it became a rule. I, I don't know if it was just under federal jobs or if it were, I think it was private jobs too, that you weren't allowed to ask for prior criminal histories. All right. So I couldn't ask for prior criminal histories in an employer setting as I'm hiring somebody. Well, what, what happened then? It resulted in a backlash against hiring minorities who would have been more likely to have a prior criminal conviction because if you said, look, if I'm not allowed to ask, I'm not allowed to know, well, then I'm going to hire people of a certain demographic that are statistically less likely to have a criminal conviction. And that might have been just only people from a certain area or only people from this. And I'm not saying that was right. I'm just saying that was the outcome of it. That was the uh, – everybody thinks that if there's a regulation that controls human nature and human behavior – if there's a regulation, it will just encourage different human behavior, whether it's to avoid the regulation or to get around the regulation or whatever. It's just because you outlaw masks doesn't mean everybody's going to wear one. And just because you don't outlaw masks doesn't mean that everybody won't wear one. It just, you know, the fact that a law exists forcing something doesn't mean everybody's going to do it. And as soon as you get rid of the law like masks, everybody thinks, oh, now everybody's going to walk around without masks. Well, those who want them can and those who don't won't. Um, you know, I, I, so I guess that's the first thing we need to we need to cross. Now, it turns out that the federal government has and does and will continue to regulate hiring and firing decisions at the individual level through Title seven, um, as well as some in 1983, if you're the federal government making de- or the state or federal government making decisions. But uh, so that is already open. We've opened the tent or the camels in the tent on that one. So now the issue is how far can they go with it? 
can they say you have to hire people? Uh, they've said age. So if you make a hiring decision based on age, then uh, that's discriminatory and you can be sued. And that's um, just 15 and above. That's, I think it's 15 above. Now, the Title VII, the other yeah. thing we should talk about is it doesn't apply across the board to uh, all employers. It, it, you have to have a threshold number of employees right. to qualify. Because then the age thing, people get confused. Like, well, it's 65, 70. It's like, no. No, no it's, it's like, 50. It's, the it's bottom 50. is 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm well, it now. Yeah. yeah. So, Steve, real quick before you move on from there. So I remember in that same period of time when I got contracted to go up to North Dakota to work for FEMA, guess what I had to have? I don't know. Background check, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Everything. So that whole, and this goes to what's happening today. So Obama went on the air and said, hey, this is now a thing. Now, was it really a law? The uh, the uh, age thing? No, the... Um, the background check? Or the yeah. background check thing? Yeah. We have to look that up. My recollection is it was, see, here's the problem. We're not passing laws in our country like we used to. Right. We are delegating That's out my of point. the General Assembly, not the General Assembly, out of Congress is now delegating their responsibility to pass law to the administrative agencies who then just That's promulgate right. rules. Right. And sometimes those rules make no sense at all, and there really isn't much recourse about it. So this is the administrative state. And that's what I'm state. getting at, yeah. So this is happening right now with respect to Title IX and due process hearings at the college and instit- or the university levels. Uh, and that's a whole other topic we can get to. But, I mean, sticking with this relationship, the employer-employee, if the feds have opened up the door to regulate that, how far does it go? And can they tell me, as a private employer, I am not allowed to employ people who have not been vaccinated? Or can they say I'm not allowed to make employer uh, hiring decisions or firing decisions based on vaccination or not vaccination? Because on the one hand, they say I'm not allowed to use race, gender, age, uh, and now sexual orientation or transgenderism, whatever it is, as a, as a hiring and firing decision in the employment workplace. Um, so then can I then discriminate against those who refuse to have a vaccine? Am I, does that also qualify? Now, generally, it is not a, quote, suspect class that requires that kind of protection. Uh, and there's, that's a term of art I'm not going to go into. But will it be? And, you know, where does it stop? So this is the problem with, with government intervention into private affairs is that it's sort of like it has no end. Once you start tinkering, you create a leak somewhere else, and then you have to tinker with that, and then another one springs up, and then you keep tinkering, and pretty soon you've got your tentacles everywhere. And that's what's going on. Well, that's what's happened. Yeah, well, remember last week, um, who are Jen Psaki and even Biden said, oh, we're not mandating this, but we're here as a resource to tell you how to do it. Yeah, no, that's not And they tacitly told employers to do it. Here's, here's how this works. Here's what happens. There, there's, there's something out there called conditional spending, um, and that's the big picture. I think South Dakota versus Dole was the case where you can, like they were, government would condition spending on state compliance with certain things like speed limits mm-hmm. or drinking age, et cetera. And then that, that, that can get crammed down in a lot of ways. I mean, that can be express. And I think more these days it's, 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 um, it's tacit. And you saw this with the uh, Major League Baseball decision to pull from Georgia could can I say definitively that that decision was premised in part on Biden's comment saying I think the MLB ought to pull out that'd be a great idea for the athletes and then you know be champions of the social warrior cause whatever it is 
And you would have to say, all right, what influence does Biden have, does our executive branch have over Major League Baseball? Well, they have an exemption under the antitrust laws. So what is Major League Baseball thinking? Well, I better start doing this stuff or I risk uh, losing my exemption under the antitrust laws. Or if I don't do it, or if I do do it, if I do pull my my support of Georgia and pull the all-star game, then what? Am I going to lose antitrust? Now you're acting politically. Oh, I forgot about that, Steve. That came up a month ago. Yeah. Uh, it, that, that came up from the administration. Somebody or a congressman said, you know, we should really look at this Major League Baseball exemption thing. Yep. And then all of a sudden, a month later, oh, I totally forgot about that. Sure. And now you have co- now look at Coca Cola. We so Coca Cola comes out against this, and I think they they got some. I don't remember what they did actually, but any big company or any corporation who is now participating in a boycott of Georgia as a result of this election law, you have to wonder why they they're doing it. And I never, I, I would never just say, well, they're just doing it because they believe in the cause. I'm 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 far more cynical than that. I would think that. <laughs> They're doing it either, A, because they think they're going to make more money if they take this stated position, irrespective of whether they believe in it, and they may or they may not, or B, they are also worried and or probably worried about uh, some other recourse that the federal government may take against them. So is it true that there is a government regulation that impacts Coca-Cola's ability to operate and do business? And I would think categorically, yes, if you start digging through um, the Code of Federal Regulations, you're going to find all sorts of things that Coke has to comply with, if nothing else, than FDA approval for their products. And you know, well, they also know their demographics too. Coca-Cola <clears throat> knows who drinks Coca-Cola products. Yeah, they do. And it's probably the world drinks Coca-Cola. The world does. I but, drink Coca-Cola. Yeah, but I think the demographics probably. Show, and again, I may be speaking out of turn. I think the demographic I, shows probably more minority drink Coca-Cola. No, you think they drink Pepsi. I don't know. They drink Pepsi. You think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I that's no where idea. my uh, mind Pepsi, went. Pepsi's always been cheaper. Oh. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. They, they have Pepsi had the big, I mean, if back I knew in Pepsi's the Cold cheaper, War days, I'd probably drink Pepsi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, they came out with the bigger bottles, and it was the same price as Coca-Cola's. Okay. They were the okay. first one to come out with 12 ounce. Yeah, I didn't know there was any. Ounce. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there was any preference whatsoever oh, they, by, I, I, by, I, I, by minority or gender. Or anything. It's a South-North thing, too. Well, now there, I mean, that is true. I mean, everything was a Coke. To me, right. at one point, it's like well, that's I how you order it. It could be an orange pop, that's exactly, a, and I'm getting a yeah. coke. That's a whole yeah. regional thing that's it, out yeah. there. It, I mean, yeah. and, and you're right about that. I mean, yeah. they're out of Atlanta. That's mm-hmm. that's that's where so, their coke is from. And it's interesting. So there's a backlash now in Georgia as a result of this, and the backlash is that what happened as a result of the MLB's um, decision to pull the All Star Game. Well, Atlanta lost a shit ton of money. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they went to Colorado, where I've seen the statistics there, too, where the minority-owned businesses in Atlanta versus well, that's Colorado. Right. That's right. It's like, so you're doing this to because you— The wokeness but, meter but, but has— But you stole their money. It has no definitive standard. You stole their money. Right. <laughs> so here's what's, here's, what's, here's what's interesting is that if—here's the, the other thing I'd like to know about this decision is what are the contributions or the support for— uh, Biden and the Democratic Party and that side of things coming out of the place where MLB went. So Colorado's support, is that chain, is that greater or is it not greater? I'd like to know that. Uh, and the other thing that we need to at least discuss is you, it, what you said. I mean, Atlanta and Georgia lost a shit ton of money, and Colorado's going to make a shit ton of money. And Colorado has hardly any minority-owned businesses. So if you're really going to try to be woke and help people— yeah. 
then then let them earn a living. Now, I don't think the federal government has any business whatsoever. It, it almost offends me. It doesn't even almost. It offends me to my core that our executive branch, our president, is suggesting to a private business, the Major League Baseball organization, that they should do or not do something politically. I find that to be offensive to, to the core. Why on earth, how on earth did we end up in a situation where our executive branch can tell a private business what to do in Georgia? But Mitch McConnell's toilet telling businesses to do the same thing, stay out of government. Same thing. Well, stay out of government is at least Would a you? message that I agree with. On the other hand, it's the same. This, yeah. is, this is the debate. We had a debate in here last Wednesday, so we'll, maybe we'll go into that later. But this is the debate we had. So everybody say, I found out, and these people sat politically opposite of, of me, and I, I, I found some common ground, which is I hate government and corporate corruption. I hate the fact that the government can exercise a control arm and a lever against corporations and private business and I hate the fact that private business will pander to the government to get a regulatory scheme that's favorable to their business. It's unfair and it's rotten to the core. Now, we agreed with that. You mean like Big Pharma have any, an exemption? Exactly. For injury? Exactly. Of their product? Exactly. I hate it. And, and here's the thing. The, I, they agreed. I mean, my humble opposition and worthy opposition agreed with that assessment. And then we got to how do you deal with it? See, I look at that as a conspiracy. You have a conspiracy. You have two sides. You have the government side and you have the corporate side. Both are engaged in a conspiracy to influence each other to benefit their ends. The ends on the government, money, power, ego. The ends on the corporation, money, power, ego. Right? I mean, it's like yeah. it's good for both, mostly money. And, uh, and it's corrupt. It's, cor- it's rotten to its core. So their version of fixing this, though, is to instill a different government with even more power. My version of fixing this is we shouldn't have a government that has any say-so or control, or very limited say-so or control, I'll say, over private business. So just instill that and eliminate the, eliminate the channel of corruption and just cut it. It's like cut the umbilical cord. So it, now if there's no government that can conspire with a business uh, to engage in these kind of, this kind of pressure play or corrupt play, then it's going to end. Starve it. They're, they're giant narcissists. Starve them. And, uh, you know, they almost paused for a second when I made that point. Then they jump right back at it. Here's the odd thing. It looks like Coca-Cola and Major League Baseball, Coke is Coke supplanted Pepsi in 2017. Yeah. and, and How Coke, weird. What in the what? And I think Coke influenced the decision of Major League Baseball. I think they had some play in that to say, if you don't, we're going to pull if you don't pull. And so hmm. now it's stupid because and does it, I think I mean, doesn't, Coke's doesn't, doesn't out of Coke, Atlanta. Doesn't Coke own Delta? I don't, I don't know. know. Delta's Atlanta. I don't know if they own I, them. If it's a same. I don't know if it's I, a, I think they do. But there's still I mean, look that aspect well, of it. Because see, here's, in, whenever yeah. it comes down to it, this is something that look into this rabbit hole. You love it. It's either owned by Pepsi or Coke, and and it goes to their them shell companies. If you start following through the side companies, it's Coke or Pepsi. Yeah. They're they're yeah. they're, they're the two they're the two most powerful companies. It's like and and, and they but they but they, they we know they're giant, but they 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 hide themselves. Mm. They don't want you to know exactly how really oh, big it's like they are. Go, go down go down the Google. And, go down big tech know, and, rabbit and, holes. And they yeah. learned that, too, whenever Coke and Pepsi were fighting. 
And uh, this is about the time that the Pepsi Challenge came out. You guys remember the Pepsi mm, Challenge? And, yeah. and Pepsi was winning somehow. Coke didn't like that marketing campaign. and uh, But they had so many stores where they had their soda popping Coke. You know, like, because now we got fast food popping up. So he couldn't, Pepsi couldn't get in enough. So the CEO of Pepsi was like this. He bought Pizza Hut. He bought uh, Taco Bell. Yeah. And he bought K- KFC. KFC. He yeah. bought those three companies now. They have no choice but yeah. to have Pepsi. So then Coca-Cola is like, what? They're buying up other companies? So then they started, and they went on this whole run. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Makes they sense. they own airlines. They own. And I don't they don't they, own Delta, they, but they're exclusive to Delta. They okay. got an exclusive contract. So yeah. they've, they've got, they, they hide it well, but their hands are in it. And their hands are in it globally right just, now. Coca-Cola is building uh, water filtration systems in oh, yeah, areas yeah. that are, are you know, I mean, very poor and has horrible water. But the, so these machines are coming yeah, in. And how are they get that? Yeah, yeah, it's it's government funded. It's our money. Yeah, it's government funded, and but yet they still get to put their logos on these water filtration right, systems. Right. So there, there you just have it. There's a power level, a power lever there that the government has over Coca-Cola. Well, so, and here's the thing, Steve. I mean, what's gonna, what's the revenue going to be through Major League Baseball this year? At least cut in half, so they don't care. Yeah, they may not care. <laughs> yeah. Major, it's a look for 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 Major League Baseball. It's not a huge deal. It might actually be more lucrative in Colorado. I don't know, but um, for Georgia and Atlanta, it's it's horrible. So, you know, these politicians, uh, they're starting to backpedal, too. It's like the, what's her name, uh, Stacey Abrams down there, the mayor of Atlanta. She's starting to backpedal a little bit. Like, come on, you know, the law is bad, but this isn't how we fight it. Or actually what she did is she blamed, this, this is my favorite, she blamed the governor and the General Assembly or their, con, their local right. legislature in Georgia for pissing off the MLB by passing this voter suppression, quote, suppression law. So it's their fault that MLB left. This is like, like if you hit me in the face, it's my fault. So it, you know what it is? It's victim blaming. And it, it's- Well, it's, they're real good at it's that. It's patently inconsistent with the other messages they preach. So it's just, it's such nonsense. And Holy God, Jared, you're right. Um, sorry, they do own Dannon. They own Dasani. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here on Wikipedia, and I wish I could get that up for you guys. Uh, it has to be alphabetical. Over 500 companies they own in over 200 countries, and it's billions and billions in revenue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Coca-Cola oh or God. Pepsi owns it, brother. They had to go. Yeah. Holy God. Well, anyway. well, if you own a business that only can have a market share of 49%, 48%, 51% in some years, you've got to divest. Yes, you've got to own more yeah. than that. Well, it's yep. just like the beer companies are down to like one right. that yeah. owns say, all— liquor, Liquor, oh, beer, liquor, beer, yeah. tobacco, and now, I guess, Coke and Pepsi. It's like yeah. they own just about everything there is to own. Holy God. Anything yeah. you can put a syntax against. Fanta. So, <laughs> they own Fanta. And so now the question, like, but back to the question, what happens at the local employer level? Does the government get to say you have to vaccinate your employees or, or you can mandate vaccines uh, as an employer or you don't mandate vaccines as an employer? What's the consequence? And better yet, can the government just say everybody has to get a vaccine? And there's different ways they say that. They can just expressly say it. They can just pass a law that says, federally speaking, every every United States citizen must get their vaccine. Is it constitutional? I think categorically, no. But uh, they are going to, uh, that that's coming. Or they can do it using the power levers again. 
if you don't get a vaccine, you can't get a vaccine passport and you can't travel on a plane because under the under uh, the FFA, uh, we can regulate air travel and we do. So all airplanes have to require vaccine passports in order to operate. And if they don't require a vaccine passport, then uh, then uh, we're not going to fund them and they can't operate. There's going to be some revision to HIPAA, though, correct? I would think. There has to be. Well, because... it's just like Steve's Obama example. Um Obama's out there saying this. I lived it. It's like, dude, they I had to go through the ringer. I had to get a secret clearance just to go up there. Well, now, of course, there's probably some exemption or whatever, but in general, that's what they tell you. And that's what I've been saying the last year about HIPAA. It's like nobody can ask you that. Nobody on the street, no Karen, nobody. You're not allowed. Well, see, now, all of a sudden, it's fair game. See, the problem is, here's the problem. HIPAA was dumb. And I'm just going to say that. I mean, it, it was already understood that there was a physician-patient privilege. Right, everybody knows that. Right, and all HIPAA did is write it down and 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 do things and made made consequences out of it. And then comes along FERPA, which is the same thing with educational, and it just creates this whole regulatory mess. Where again, you, you plug the dike here, and then you got to fix it over there, and then you got to keep fixing and fixing and fixing. All sorts of unintended consequences occur when things were sort of working anyway. And so now we have a situation where they've painted themselves into a corner because of HIPAA. And uh, can they ask somebody if you've been vaccinated? I don't know. I, I just don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can, maybe you can't. Well, to me, it seems like a, a slippery slope as well, too, that if they can start asking about that. So how does that stop them from not asking uh, about the flu? Okay, let's say, have you been, let's just t- take it one step removed from that. Did you get your flu shot this year? That's simple. Sure. Come on, it's Easy. gone in, just getting your shot. What's the next thing? So HIPAA's bullshit. My my doctor, I, I, last time I went oh, in for. What's that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> it has something to do with Glenn. Uh-huh. I just said HIPAA. <laughs> right, you got you got to open up the search engine, and then type HIPAA. Oh, all right. So, where am I? Where is it? It's uh, Google right there. You're on right here. No, there's no Google down here. I just typed it here. Right there in the middle. That. Oh, why are you still on Google? Uh, it, it's got uh, it's got DuckDuckGo in there, built, built in as a uh, as a uh, filter. Um, anyway, I, I forget where we were on that. Uh, well, the, the slippery slope of letting information out of HIPAA. If you, you know, flu shot next, and right. whatever. I mean, whether communicable disease there is, you're not supposed to be talking about anyway. And it's really just a physician-patient privilege. Like you right. have you have a right to be protected against. Uh, your people knowing your medical conditions and what you are. Now, you're going to get the collectivists that say, well, we have a right to be safe from you being around. So if you're contagious, we want the government to force this. And well, that's what's coming. That's what's that's, coming. That's like, the argument. I mean, aren't there schools that uh, if you don't have the polio vaccine or something like that, that uh, you can't, your kids yeah. can't attend oh, school? An, yeah, and, there's and then, a ton of that. And then should sure. we draw the line? I mean, this is another one that I, I, have a, I have a wavy line on this one. I mean, I think there's a difference between vaccines. I don't think they're all created equally. I think there are, they're not. there are ways that we can look at one vaccine and say, look, we've been doing this for 100 years and we know this is reliable and works. Versus another one that's we've been doing for six months and we have no idea if it's reliable and works. Or we could say this one is an optional one. I think there's if you're going to start regulating stuff like that, then you need to you need to it, it, the scheme is endless because it just keeps getting narrower and narrower and narrower. How much regulation do you need to delineate it between which ones you're going to require, which ones you're not going to require? And then how much say so is is mandated because everybody says, 
well, the government's going to have the best scientists working for it. The government's going to have the best people. They're in my best interest. And I say to that, hogwash, hogwash. If you're going to go get the best uh, attorney, you're not going to go to the government to look for that. If you're going to go get the best doctor, you're probably not going to the government to look for it. Not in our society anyway. And maybe there was a time when we employed top scientists and things were a little bit different back in the 40s and 50s, but not now. Ask any armed, ask any uh, wounded veteran how well they get treated. Sure. And it's it, freaking horrible. So it's like, what, what is the interest that the government has then if it's not just the science? And I always say, look, you can explain most or a lot of bad government action just with incompetence, like gross incompetence to the point where it's shockingly, you almost don't want to believe they're that incompetent. And then you can explain the other half with, with corruption, and that's that's premised on money, power, and ego. This is like, look, Locke and Hobbes figured this out. John Locke and Thomas Hobbes had this sort of, they didn't debate directly, but, you know, people are flawed. <laughs> they, they operate from corrupt angles all the time. And do, do you think if you get a government check that that's not true? Like, uh, who thinks that? Right. It's nonsense. So I, I don't know. but it, So is the government going to tell me that I can't fire somebody because they're not vaccinated or I can't hire somebody because they're not vaccinated? I guess we'll see. And John Locke was an absolutism. <laughs> the two trees on government. I recommend that every Lawyer Talk listener open John Locke's <laughs> Treatise on Government 1 and 2. Uh, Hobbes is firmly on the royalist side during the Civil War. All right, so what Hobbes says is basically this. <laughs> People are awful. People are corrupt. People are greedy. People steal, lie, cheat, kill, do whatever to serve their own best interests. Therefore, in order to control our society, we need to give the, a strong centralized government as much power as possible. There's a contract that exists that we give them power because we need it. Locke says, I agree with all that, except I have the opposite conclusion. This is why we have to have a very limited, powerful government or a limited and power government because the government is made up of the same people you're talking about. I was just thinking the same thing as the yeah. government's fault of your corrupt of, people you're just talking people. about. So you have of to people. So you have right. to diversify yeah. diversify the power structure so there is a check and balance on how that power is exercised. And this is the argument we made last week, which is look, I will even take it for your word that your candidate who you want to give this all powerful authority to implement every regulatory scheme under the universe that you think is good and valid and, and, and awesome for the people. But what about the person that comes after that person? And what about the person that comes after that person? It's like how many in a row are going to all be altruistic and operate only as the Jesus Christ, your Messiah of government. And I would say zero, none of them because they all needed power to get elected in the first place. I mean, it's, it's just, this is, this is common sense and they don't want to hear it. So Hobbes was, the normal state of the state is war, and might makes right. Yes. Locke, on the other hand, his state of nature is freedom. Yes. And, and state of purest freedom where people could act however they wished without restriction, but this created paradox. As a world of absolute freedom <coughs> created an environment in which the freedom of one individual could violate the natural rights of another. Correct. Yep. And so how is that handled? Well, here's how that's handled. He would say we have all live in a state of freedom. It, it is chaos. We are all bad, but we have lived for how many millions of years that way? So, And then why? If, if Hobbes is right, then why aren't we all dead? We should have been extinct years ago. Um, and Locke would say, well, look, we are using our greed and self-interest as a survival mechanism, and we are doing that by getting along, engaging in 
contractual relationships with each other, agreements oh. with each other, things that benefit us both, even though, like, if you sell your labor to me and I pay you for it, I think I'm getting a better deal. You think you're getting a better deal. And the answer is, who cares who's getting a better deal if we do it freely? And the idea is we know what's best for us. And now, if I force you to work for me in a, in a slavery setting, well, that's not freedom at all. That is a, that's, that's freedom on its ear. It is not uh, a Lockean concept at all. Uh, it's a Hobbes concept. This, this is beautiful right here. Pardon me for interrupting. Locke argued that these rights are both natural, meaning that they originate in nature itself as well as inalienable, meaning that they cannot be taken away, only violated. That's right. Locke also argued, and I think this is the biggest thing, that individuals have a moral duty and rational interest to preserve their rights. Yes. I.e., and also preserve the rights of others. This is— It's your moral duty as a citizen. So our founders then— read this stuff. You can go back and have a similar debate in a different plane, in a different time, in a different place between Aristotle and Plato, Plato, forgive me, where Plato is the, Plato would say, no, we need to have the elitist sort of dictate how things are working. And Aristotle is far more grounded on individual freedoms in, 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 in human interaction at its lowest level. And, you know, it's, <laughs> this has been going on forever. It's like you've read this. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have. That's right. You just said exactly. That. I, I probably beautiful. have. I know. It's like in 1990, <laughs> right? They don't teach this shit anymore. Damn. Like I read this in college. Um, so this is, Steve, this is this is absolutely wonderful. Um, and I think everybody needs to a refresher or actually learn this. Locke believed that people ultimately, ra- people were ultimately rational actors who sought to avoid violent conflict just in nature. Most animals avoid conflict wherever possible. It's true. Yes. Um, and so in such a situation, opposing sides consented to allow a third party to mediate the case, let them deliver a verdict of their own, and agree to hold by that verdict, the moral the moral case of a citizen. That it, yeah. Even if you don't agree, you still hold by it. That, to Locke, is where the origins of government lie. Not in the population agreeing to submit to a higher authority, but the population itself agreeing to a mediator that could guarantee the preservation of their natural rights and balance of liberty and justice. Right. So, And the balance for Locke was this. Oh, my God, I just got chills. That's beautiful. We need a government to protect us against others' transgressions against our individual natural rights. And we can't, I can't transgress you and you can't transgress me, but it doesn't mean that we can't operate in accord and agreement, even if we disagree. So, you, you know, you can't beat me up and beat me to a pulp and steal my stuff. And we need a government to, to redress that when it happens. And we're going to consent to a government with the limited power to do those things. And then, you know, our founders looked at this and said, well, that can't be just be one. And Locke had multiple branches that mimic ours now. But it's like that can't just be one branch, one person doing this because we can't trust one person to do it. Right. We need multiple people that have checks and balances over the other's power. And, and then if you go read later on, especially later on, the dialogues between letters between – this stuff is awesome, Jay, if you haven't read it – between um, Adams and Jefferson, mm-hmm. like towards their deaths. And they died the same day. Right. Um, but, you know, it's like Thomas survives me is what I think Adams said, meaning Jefferson survived. But he didn't know he died too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they talk about this stuff, and they talk about what they did and how it worked and what their philosophies were and – uh, it's really sort of chilling to read it. They, they, they talked about all the stuff that we struggle with today, like elites running things. Adams was deathly afraid of that. 
Uh, he did not want the the rule, the elite money ruling class to have that kind of authority. He just he feared corruption out of that, and that's why they didn't get rid of it. They created a Senate, and then they, they in order to off it or uh, counterbalance it, they created the House of Representatives full of the people. Yeah, and, the McCullough book on Adams is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 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 And there, there's a great book called. Um, uh, I, I gave it to everybody for Christmas a couple of years ago. I forget what it was called, uh, but it basically took all the modern day questions that we have, and solve them going to the dialogues out of the Federalist Papers, our founding fathers and everything else, and gave their viewpoints on the very on almost the same topics from slavery to freedom to elites running things to whatever. I mean it really is it's remarkable. And so just real quick on the wrapping up the Hobbes and Locke thing. Have you all heard of the social contract? This is where it came from. Right. So these two were the ones that basically they made this, they didn't call it that and it's a fundamental agreement underlying all of civil society. I think we're missing that. Well, the real what the real social contract is. Well, as part of it there as an employer, I wouldn't feel comfortable telling asking my employee to get the vaccine or to not get the vaccine. Right. right. You know what I mean? That's like if somebody you got you're employing somebody and they're like, "Man, I got cancer and you know what? I, I'm not going to I'm not going to get the treatment." You're like, no, man, you're a great employee. I need you to get the treatment so you give me a couple more years. Where where, where does the employer get to? I mean, right. th- now, I can say this. If you show up sick, I can be like, hey, man, you're sick. Go home. Mm-hmm. Well, I right? think. So but, I've been but, chastised for doing that um, by HR in certain companies. I'm like, I don't want him infecting my entire team. This guy does this routinely. It is selfish for him to come in here and infect my entire team. Uh, yes. So here's the thing. I and mean, now... It's the exact opposite. How is a federal government or even a state government going to be able to regulate and manage that at that level? You, Jay, when you did that, and you, Jared, when you're operating in your business, you know these people. You work with them every day. You know what works. You know what doesn't work. You know the personalities. You make a decision that I have to inherently trust you as a fellow human being of no particular race or gender or age or whatever— you have the rational thought and the ability to make that decision. I do not need Joe Biden telling me what to do. I don't need DeWine telling me what to do. And I also believe firmly that if you as an employer say, I want everybody at my job site vaccinated, you have a right to say it. And, it, you know, that doesn't mean they, have to st- they can quit if they want. Right. Um, it's at will. Yes, but but yeah. or you could say I don't care if you're vaccinated, and if the other people are going to complain that Joe isn't vaccinated, but Billy is, well, guess what? Quit. And if you as an employer can't suffer that kind of loss, then you're going to have to solve that problem. And right. And you, if I gave you about ten seconds, could probably write on that yellow piece of paper how many similar impossible problems you have to solve every freaking day. You're good at it. Right. There is no right answer that protects everybody. That's the problem with this collective nonsense. Well, and that's how I've always treated the people work on my teams. I'm like, listen, guys, you guys know yourself better. So when, when we had this flu thing going around, when I was deployed up there in, in North Dakota, people came in and said, man, Zycam and freaking vitamin C, guys, it knocks it right out. Everybody freaking took it or didn't, yep. you know? And it's like, and if you're sick, please stay home. Please stay in your hotel until you feel better. And And to think that... That we're not capable of making those decisions. I know. Is well, I had I had I, I had, had some windows installed at my house yesterday, and uh, we had had a b- multiple done, but uh, they needed they needed to put two in. 
And uh, as the couple showed up, they were going to install, they are getting out of the truck, and they got their mask on, and I don't have one on. You know what I mean? I'm talking to him. And the guy points to his mask, and he says, do you want me to wear this? And I asked him, I said, are you sick? He was like, no. I was like, then no. No, no. No, dude. No, right. t- take it off. Right. Leave it in your truck. But, but Come on he, in the house. But yeah. he could have jeopardized his job by taking it off. Probably. Well, yeah, depending because, on who he works for. Yeah, if he it's works like for, for because of yeah, the, yeah. the imagery that the right. company wants that mask on because we which have is, to continue to look safe. I, which is, I mean, which is perfectly fine on the company's well, it's, part. It's, if that's what they want. You're to exactly do. right. It's perception, yeah. right? And it's actually doing the exact opposite. And, and that's what that's what that's the real science too. says, and it's unbelievable to me that and we're it, in it, this spot. It's like how how are how is it better that you're working outside at 79 degrees out and you're restricting your airflow? Yeah. Artificially. It's like they're putting in windows. That's dumb. Right. You know what I mean? And not only that, my office is out back in my, in my warehouse building. So I, I wasn't even in the house. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. And there was two of them, and they installed a couple windows. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? He did ask. He was like, do I, he pointed it to his man. Yeah. He's like, do I, and I, but I, I, whenever I asked him, you know, are you sick? And he's like, Kind of looked at me funny, like, no. <laughs> I was like, well, then no, dude. If right. you just said, yeah, I'd have been like, yeah, yeah, wear it, man. Or shouldn't you just stay at home? Yeah, exactly. Right. Really? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, he didn't, yeah. He wasn't sick. Yeah. I wonder if this kind of goes back to the, the smoking, non smoking in restaurants, too, about the dictatorship of that. It kind of feels like it that. Kind of feels oh, like that. Doesn't it? Well, kinda. yeah, it does. It's this building up and now. They got everybody scared. Well, well everybody yeah. is terrified. And again, there, there is there there is information that says secondhand smoke can. Well, sure. so here's the thing. You know, I Here, get it. Here's what you're getting at. So the the libertarians would 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 say this, and this is going way back to um, uh, Adam Smith, and even before him was a guy named Dice. But they would say that we need a government. Like we we like laissez faire. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. I don't want anybody telling me how much my labor is worth, how much my product is worth, how much uh, I'm worth. It, what, I don't want anybody telling me who I can hire, who I can't hire. I don't want anybody tell me what where I can build. I, I just want freedom. And then the market, in theory, works itself out. So, but even the libertarians would say there are certain things that the market cannot effectively incentivize. And this is going right back to Locke. And those are the things that don't have a like where to build a road or maintaining the road, like your interest in maintaining a road, Jared, may be different than mine. And our, the other, it may be too diverse to have a coordinated effort to do that. So we, we have to agree by social contract to create a government that will maintain those things. And it's a representative form of government. So we all get to say so and we get to vote and we have these, we have these, um, these, these avenues to influence it. And then it, that's a, that's the next best thing to a complete free economy and a free market. And, I, you know, you wonder with things like smoking or vaccines, et cetera, what does the market do if left alone? And we've seen like Florida. We've seen like um, other we've seen uh, New York where they mandate and shut down everything. California mandate and shut down everything. Florida, they don't mandate and shut down anything. And the results are about the same, if not better in Florida. So. You wonder now. I can't say there's not other things that would have impacted that, like climate and who, who knows. But the, the point the point I'm trying to make is, I believe in human individual capabilities and decision making and their, their survival instinct. 
and I have yet to study in my years of reading history anything that would qualify as some uh, epic emergency that required us to give up every right we have and all our and give total power to a federal government to help us get through it. I can think of nothing ever in time except maybe Noah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. And and other than that, we may have come close during a world war for resources. Uh, it, maybe, maybe you know that certain certain days you can only do this. Certain days you can only do this. You were rationed out gas. It's a good but point. I don't maybe. know the effectiveness. I haven't studied or read about the effect. You might be right. That might be know. that might be a great study to say was it effective during World War II to have blackout uh, measures crammed down from the government. And it would be interesting to know. We see it as rah, 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 America, that mm-hmm. we collectively said, yes, we'll do this. But what was going on really during that well, day-to-day-to-day? After, day after to World, day? World War well, One, they used that same to get prohibition through. Yeah. yeah. Because they, 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 they felt they, they went right along the same lines as rationing and holding back for World War One, mm-hmm. And then they folded that be a patriot, join along into prohibition. And, and that didn't work out that well. And in World War II, the same power resulted in internment camps for the Japanese. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Correct. Which slave camps? These are. I mean, these were right. th- these were horrible. These people were treated horribly, and you know, oh, for the cause, for the cause. Like so, I guess the question is, it, if you think that you're going to give power to the federal government, that it will always be in your way of exercising it, and what you want is is good for all, then you're fucking. Crazy. Wait, wait for another four years. Forgive my language. <laughs> wait for another four years and yeah. see how that power you're, you're works crazy. for you. Crazy, and that's yeah. the debate we had here in the studio last Wednesday was like that. It's like there are people out there that think that think know what is they think they know what is best for me, and they think they know what is best for you and everybody else. And I say shame on them, man. I mean, they don't know what's best. And the one thing, then I'll move on to what is something else. But the one thing that bugs me the most is somebody told me this. A couple of months ago, all oh, these people, you know, and this just happened to be about Trump. But I, I try to I, I try to do it both ways because it, it is true. Like I'm both both political sides do it. But this one happened to be like, oh, these people, they think Trump is going to do all this stuff for them. And, you know, they don't understand that Trump's not going to help them at all. They're not going to they're not going to do anything for them. And, the, you know, he's not the government's not going to do anything for them under Trump. And, you know, I hung up and I just thought about that all night. And I was like, what? And something about it just bugged me. And then I woke up the next day and it dawned on me. He's completely wrong. He's not even in the same universe. And it, what, what dawned on me was this. These people don't want anything from the federal government. They don't want the government to help them. They don't want the government to give them things. They don't want the government to do anything for them. They just want to live a free life and wake up and do what they do without interference. They don't want the right to go hurt people. They don't want the right to go steal from people. They don't want the right to go discriminate. They just want to be free. And... It was it's such this fundamental misunderstanding of what that was. And it dawned on me that they just there are people out there that think they know better for everybody. And every time in history that that happens, it's never true. It, it usually results in catastrophic things like 100 million people dead or uh, the fall of the Roman Empire. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it, yeah. it's, it's like you can't there's not one person that knows what's good for everybody. And that's why Locke was so brilliant to me. Just and to, they always think they can do it better than the last despot. So, like you, you know, version, it just yeah. hasn't been implemented correctly. I'm like, I, it's arrogant and it's just it's idiotic. 
It's idiotic when you yep. sit there and bang your head against a wall and say, you know, eventually I'll get through there. It's like you're not. Mm. It's made out of steel and brick. And I, we had this, this is another comment, this sort of came up before. It's like, all right, so your person is going to do it differently and better. Well, you know, then they say Sweden or uh, Scandinavia, et cetera. And then if That's you just, apple and oranges. I, I, it's, I started to read about this a couple about last year, and I was like, yeah, I wonder what's going on there. And it's, it's, we have like 50 Scandinavians in, our, in the size of our yeah, country mm-hmm. and yeah. the diversity right. of our population. Sure. Right. And I love sure. the diversity of our population in the truest sense of the word, diversity of thought, diversity of, of looks, diversity of culture. Diverse, I think it's awesome only when it comes together as a united American uh, ideal. So it's like we have this melting pot of all this diversity, but nobody, if you're not utilizing it, then it's worth nothing. If everybody's, they want everybody to think the same, then it's not diverse at all. So it's, you know, Sweden is not like that. Sweden is very homogenous. You know, they, they have a very, it's small. Uh, it's a, it's a, they are all on the same page culturally by and large. And here's the, here's the trick. They love their big, powerful corporations that make a shit ton of money because it funds all, all the programs. Yep. And our version or their version of this here is we hate our big companies because they make too much money. So we're just going to knock them down and steal all their money and uh, give it to other people somehow because we can allocate better where that money goes than they can. And anyway, we're, we're, yeah. we're, mm. we're, we're off, off topic. But what other questions did we have today? We had, we had uh, that. We just, that we just spend a whole time on the, on the very last one, I do believe, right there. But, that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's such a big box. It, it is. is. I mean, and it's packed full of things, and it's not going away. And yeah, and and yes, and, I thought and, it was only for two weeks. Two <laughs> fifteen oh, days, just yeah. round the round the curve, right? Yep. Right, yeah. lower the curve. Yeah, I just Steve um, and I talked I, midway through that. I said they ain't giving up anything. This will never be just oh, two no. weeks. I always said that. Yeah, I knew that. We never. were. We, uh, I think yeah. the three of us. Yeah. I think Dan was down here too. We were down here talking when this was going down, and we just looked at each other and said. This ain't gonna be no fifteen days. No. Never is. They I, never give it up. I called yeah. my buddy Mark Satawa. We did the lawyer talk with him that one time, and he's up in Michigan, and he's got it worse up there. They really oh my down. goodness! And he's like, and I was sort of, uh, I mean, I was when this happened, I had to lay off employees, and it's like my business is shut down, and all this stuff is going on. And I called him, and you know, he's all chipper, and he's like, "What? You don't think this will just be like what a month or so, and we're back to work?" And I said, "Mark, no freaking chance. Nope. No chance." This is going to take at least a year. If you think your kids are going back to school this year, you're nuts. It's going to take at least a year, probably two, and it'll never be the same again. And it's because of that conversation we had down here. The three or four of us just sat here and bantered this. And I was like, when's the last time the government actually gave back power? When is that ever, ever? I mean, and I've seen some exceptions, actually, recently, you know, where where Florida is sort of like given back. But, well, as we said, it's going to come down to the states. Yeah, it's got to. The states have to win this back, which is, you know, this is Jay and I, we debate about this all the time, but I, I agree with you, man. States, the states have to carry the flag, um, and that's ironic, right? They have to carry the state flag and the federal flag, and yeah. that—that's the irony. And the other irony is that is what our country was supposed to be in the first place. The states should have had individual uh, freedom, and it's this concept called federalism without a powerful federal government. And now we have our states some of them anyway, starting to feel threatened and taking measures to push back. And whether that's enough, I don't know. Um, I do know this. Every time this kind of thing has been attempted in human history, it results in catastrophic implosion. So it'll end. 
It may not end well, well for any of us, but it'll end. Well, the states are it's, feeling the economic. It's they're, starting. They're, they're feeling the economic pinch on this uh, one because all of a sudden their coffers are getting lower and lower, and they're going to say, that, "We got to open." That's up happening business. right now. So we have to. Where I live, they just shot the flare, and I don't know if I should say my little town where I live. So uh, but the you D guys, ends with an N. And, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, you know, they have a, they have over a million square feet of Class A office space, almost as much as the city of Columbus. They're at a $32 million shortfall already, and that's where it's going to hit first because some of these states and big cities are getting bailed out by the stimulus money. Well, here's what's— They're getting billions to bail them out to, to help them trickle along. It's more sinister than that, and, and here's, here's what's really going on. The new tax plan that's getting raw. So I didn't know this. Somebody did a dive on it, and I listened to it uh, in the last couple of days. Under Trump— they roll. He changed the tax structure significantly. It used to right. be that if you're a corporation, this is going to be pre-Trump. If you're a corporation, you pay state or local taxes. You get to deduct that amount off your federal tax bill. That's what uh, that's what it used to be. Trump said no. You're not going to get to deduct that anymore. And I thought, why on earth? How's that good? How's that bad? Well, I don't know if it was good or bad, but now it's Biden wants to roll it back. And make it so if you're a corporation and you have a big uh, state or local tax bill, you get to deduct it off your federal taxes. Now, why does that matter? And I, I had, somebody had to explain it, and I listened carefully, and I had to think about it a lot later. Um, basically, if if you are in, if you're a big company and you're located in a state that has an absurd tax structure, a high one, California, for example, California, you are benefit, you are giving a benefit to the states. The federal government is giving a huge benefit to those states by letting the corporations deduct their federal tax or deduct their state taxes off their federal tax bill. Um, and that's going to incentivize them to stay there. If you do it the opposite and there's a huge local tax bill, the corporations are going to leave. That's why Amazon right. likes this. Amazon likes, well, it's why, no, the states like this. So what you're doing is the, the federal government is throwing a bone to their state cronies. Right. So if okay. you're if you're right. California with a with an enormous tax scheme that's commensurate with what the federal government or Biden's plan would be, then you're you're incentivizing companies to stay there or disincentivizing them rather not or to leave. To leave, right? Because if if somebody has got a business in California, and California has got an absurd local tax, like absurdly high, mm-hmm. and you get to deduct that off your federal tax, it's a wash. If, however, you don't get to deduct that off your federal tax. And you're going to pull a plug and say, screw this. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Go on to Texas. And then <laughs> wherever they, at the yeah. same time now, in order to fix this, Biden has, well, first of all, that's what he wants to do. And then secondly, now they're approaching all the countries throughout the world to try to implement a similar corporate tax so companies can't just leave the United States when they get whacked and take their assets elsewhere. <coughs> and, you know, we had this argument last week, Jared. You said corporations are going to leave, and they're like, no, they're going to believe in the American dream. I was like, you're Wrong. a freaking oh, wow. moron. Wrong. Look what happened during Obama. He hiked it up to 35%. So Trump made it a flat 21% in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017. Right. Biden's bumped that back up to 28%. But riddle me this. Trump also changed the law of worldwide to territorial taxation in the U.S., Interesting. This, yeah, I'd have to read about it to know. I, I, I think I know what that is, but I'm not going to comment. But I guess what what it is is 
Trump made it a flat tax on corporations and it did not, it wasn't even that big of a deduction or reduction if you compare it to what they're paying at the state level. So if you, if he just said, look, you can't deduct this anymore off your federal taxes. So if you owed a, whatever you owed, um, you had your gross income and that's how they calculated the federal taxes. And that same number was used to calculate your state taxes. If under the Biden plan, you have your gross income, you first pay your state taxes and that reduces your gross income by the amount you paid your state taxes. Now you paid your federal taxes. So what does that mean? It means there's no penalty to stick around in a state that's got high taxes. And why do that? Like what's the, you start to think about what's the agenda? Why do that? Um, and it's the, that's where all their cronies are. Okay. That's where all the cronies are. The and high, the high tax states. Yeah. That, that, it's, it's New York. It's California. It's, it's all the, the, the people who are struggling now because they overspent, they didn't keep their budgets and they're, they're like companies and businesses are running like rats on a sinking ship from California. Right oh my now. God. And that's been happening for a while. Yeah. And, and same with New York. They're leaving. It sucks. So they're trying to they're trying to protect that and stop it, and this is complete contrary philosophy to the the free market folks and to the locks of the world who would say, look, if California is dumb enough to have this absurdly high tax and then still have all these problems and not spend their money wisely and instead they're buying trains that nobody's going to ride on, well that's their problem. I'm leaving, um, and this is this is what I've always said to people. And we said it last week, Jared. It's like if you're not going to if I just say, look, I'm not going to do this for less money. You know, my job sucks. I work 20 hours a day. It's awful. I don't get paid that much to begin with. And you want me to do the same job for less? I quit. And, the, you know, there was a, like a silence in the room. And I said, what if everybody else quit that does my job? And they, they didn't have an answer other than this. Well, you should, you're not going to be able to do that. And my response was, is there going to be an AK-47 in my face that says I have to do this job? Because that sounds an awful lot like some other structure we had in this country during the founding that everybody hates. Sounds like slavery to me. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's um, that's the thing. Once you start tinkering, there is no end to it. So I'm going to quit and leave. But if you're going to say, no, we're going to incentivize it, but I'm going to leave anyway, then what? Or if I'm a company, I'm Coca-Cola, and I'm going to get whacked on the taxes, I'm going to say, screw it. I'm going to Singapore. I'm going, or not Singapore, um, wherever there's no tax. <laughs> right. I'm going to go put my company on a ship. That floats around and sells goods and services, and just uh, it'll be like Waterworld. <laughs> and, and why wouldn't they? You know, like if you make that, if you create a financial incentive for that, they'll do it. And you're not, you know, it's not the incentive you wanted. But or or the other option, you end up with uh, a wall that doesn't keep people out, but keeps you in. And that wall could be an economic wall. It could be a a, a vaccine passport wall. It could be a number of things. But we've had that before in our, all of our lifetimes, and that was the Berlin Wall was put up not to keep people out, but to keep people in because it sucked so much that people wanted to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? one, of the, one of the companies I work for, um, I won't say their name, they're about $6 billion in revenue. They were out of Pasadena for 70 years. They left. You're right. They Why left. They stick around. And, I mean, they've been there through thick and thin. These guys were sponsors of the freaking Rose Bowl Parade. For 70 years. And it got so bad, they left, I think it was a year and a half ago or two years, because of the ridiculous management in California. And their their tax structure was over 50%. And you know the other thing? It's crazy. The other thing that we didn't talk about last week, Jared, that that I didn't really dawn on me, 
and you know it's so simple it's like i'm sure you've thought about it. it's like i'm a corporation too and so are you how many people own yours one and me too and me one one <laughs> what i do so yeah. when they're talking about corporate taxation they're not they're not delineating between like oh we mean the really big ones now the guys we were talking to no we just right. mean the big ones like yeah but you said corporate so what's a corporation yeah. they have no idea they right. have none Right. They hadn't. And I brought up to them, I think I did, whenever I learned that what the new structure was under under Donald Trump. And I, if I did the equivalent to the year before, the difference. You paid I was, more. I, I would be, well, under Trump, I was paying less. Oh, you're paying less. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was paying uh, enough to, that I hired another employee. Oh, that's now, right. It, yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. wasn't a full, you mean, year long, but it, it gave my company the boost that I needed. Just knowing that in the year that if it's the same thing, and, and what did you do? You invested in your I inv- company. I invested. I, right. took, I took the money, and put it back in my company. That's right. Because I'd always been setting it aside. Right. So if I did the same number that I did the year before, I would owe the same amount of tax if everything if everything matched up. I was like, but now I knew that it would be less if I did the same. And you ins- and I knew I was going to do the same if not more. So I was like, I am going to put this money back in my company and help grow it. And the, the cool thing Holy about God, this look is, at this, guys. The cool thing about hold on. The cool thing about this is your incentive was not for the good of the people. No. And it wasn't. And, no. and no. that's okay. No. Your incentive it was I can make more money doing this. I can advance my business interest. Yeah. I can grow. I can get my own. Your incentive was greed. And we can only affect one person at a time. And and, right. you know, right. which is and my incentive did. was to get me out of my store and get me in the studio here. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, right. that's yeah. really to how I was things, able to, to do grow that. another business, to employ more yeah. people, all because we have an incentive that's self-interested to better ourselves. And when we do that, we tend to better everybody else, too. And if exactly. everybody does that, it creates opportunity. It mm. creates opportunity for that's exactly the word we're looking for. Yeah. So mm-hmm. It's like if if. And this is so contrary to how these people think sometimes that it's almost impossible to tell them. I'm like, look, man, just because somebody's making a lot of money doesn't mean that they're doing bad things with it. It doesn't mean they're do- they're not doing good things with it. And if you let people be humans, we are capable of really horrible things, but mostly really good things. But they seek and out I'll, those stories I'll be to honest justify with you. their ends. Right. I've never yeah. been hired by a poor person. No, that's... That's a good point. No. <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. Well, yeah. Right. Seriously, think about it. <laughs> no, it's yeah. a great point. Because ultimately, when you start a business, it comes out of your own pocket. Yes. I've been there. It, I didn't get paid well, for was, a year I, and a half. Well, that's what I was going to say. You, poor people do hire people because all their money is tied up in their business. <laughs> well, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, so right. but, but you have to look at it that way. I mean, there's just right. different, but, but and, you're right. I mean, there. No, and you, what you I'm have saying. To, you have to have seed money. You got it, and you also have to be a good businessman. You have to learn how, to, and you got to learn your business inside and out. And nobody knows that, nobody understands that. But look at this stat up here, Steve. I didn't realize. I thought it was like fifty percent, ninety-nine percent of America. Ninety-nine percent. So when they say corporations, it means you guys. Yes, us yeah. guys under twenty. Exactly basically. what Steve said. I thought it was like fifty percent. No, it's ninety-nine percent of America's twenty-eight point seven million firms are under are small businesses. Are basically under twenty employees. Eighty-eight yeah. percent of those are firms that have fewer than twenty freaking employees. So how does that how does that translate to me? If my tax wow. goes up by what ten fifteen percent is what you're talking about, um, just for being, then I either go out of business or I shrink. No, you know exactly what happens, and we've seen it. It's like a wet blanket 
on the economy and everything stops, everything sure. slows down, and only only those that have giant pots of money they, they, expand they, and they gobble up market share. Yep, that's exactly Look, look what Amazon did during the pandemic. Right. They exactly. gobbled up even more. The Borg got even bigger. Yep, and that's the, that's the shame of and, it all. And here's the thing. Those are the corporations that these guys are really railing against. Yes. But yet the system an, that they want enables that. It's an easy <laughs> fix. This is this is my fix to them. It's an easy fix. You're 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 targeting the wrong people. You need to target the government corruption, not the corporate right. corruption. Look, the corporations right. are doing what they do. They are making money and they're distributing it to their employees and shareholders. Mm-hmm. And maybe the people that run it are getting loaded. Maybe they're making gazillions of dollars a year. And all I can say, there's only a handful of people that do. So be it. But they're employing hundreds of thousands of people across the board and generating so much wealth, so much income, so much uh, economic activity in the country that it has made in the last four or five years our country, our, the best economy we've ever, ever had. Just ever let had. it go. And we are gas and oil. We were. Oh, independent. Independent. Yeah. For the first time in our lifetimes, yeah. for sure. So now the we're only not way, and no, now they've already squashed yep. it. And look at the gas prices. The only way to combat that is to is to say if we don't do something, we're dead in ten years, or if we don't do something, we're all going to die of a pandemic. If we don't, like, you can't take on like there had to be a catastrophic event, either uh, fabricated or taken advantage of, or both. Who knows? But it just is. Uh, it's it, in order to change and build back better, as they say. You have to basically crush us. You know, no, it's called the Great Reset. We're crushed. And I thought that was conspiracy until recently, and it's not. Well, I mean, if, if we're in a scenario, this is back to where, right where I'm going to end, and then we'll, we'll do another segment with Shalvin later. But it was like, if you're going to say to companies, the first step of saying, and I remember predicting, we all, we all talked about this. I'm like, look, the next thing that has to happen is if they try to implement this crap, people are going to leave. And then I've asked people rhetorically, then what? Is the government going to let them leave? Are we going to build a wall to keep people in? And everybody's like, oh, no, they, they, you know, they won't. Uh, well, now what are they doing? Now you, it may not be a sticks and bricks wall, but they're going to all their economic world order cronies and saying we're going to implement the same tax structure so there is no incentive for corporations to leave. You're basically eliminating the world free market in exchange for your version of what the economy, world economy should look like. And it's catastrophic. I mean, that's, so who gets to decide that number? Is that going to be us, or is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be China gets to decide what the corporate tax yep. is? Yep. And do you think they're going to play fair? Because I'm not seeing them play fair on anything. Yeah, there's no incentive for <laughs> no. them to do that yet. Right. Exactly. I mean, no. Of course not. They're and, not going to play and, by no. our and they woke say, rules. They don't, they don't, even, give they don't even hide it. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> that's true. They, they, don't, they don't hide it. They're no. like, yeah, no, we, we think do we're, they're, they're building 300 coal-burning power plants a year. Yeah, and we're morons over here. And without clean coal technology, without any of our good technology, they're building them not only in China, Africa. They've basically taken over Africa and the precious metals trade. Yep, they're going to own it. They've enslaved the African continent, and people don't understand this. And they're building 300 coal-fired power plants over there right now. So as we sit here and dicker about our carbon footprint, they're they're taking over the world, people. Look at your phone. Look care. at your computer. They no, hell no. They do not have our type of moral philosophy when nope. it comes to either humans or business ethic. No, it's completely different. It's empire, totally. Yeah, power. It's, no. Now, on that, before you close this out, I do have to give a shout-out here. I have to give a happy birthday to my mother-in-law, 
Marsha yeah. McMillan. Marsha it's, McMillan. It's, it's, it's her. It's her birthday today. And, uh, what's the happy birthday, Mom? Uh, I, I probably a a uh, bush light. Oh, they go to the run amok. The run amok. If they're if they're up at the lake, I don't know. If she, I think she might be in defiance. If they're in defiance, they'll probably go to the Elks. Is he up, is he uh, the Elks. No, but they're about to put the boat in. I want to go up fishing with yep. him this year. Go up there. He's he's going to go fishing this year. Seventy-eight degrees today, boy. Is it oh, cloudy. It's, it's beautiful. It's probably blowing too. It's Wind from the day. south puts the hook in the fish's mouth. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, at least we can laugh through the downfall of our existence. So anyway, this has been. Uh, we we promised Shalvin didn't get to it. I think we should probably. I'll I'll probably come down here and do something on Shalvin later in the week. There is some stuff going on. I know the. The chief of police testified, and everybody thought that was really damning. And I thought eh, that's a little bit that's a little bit deceiving. Um, and there was some other testimony. They called it uh, medical testimony, but it wasn't the autopsy coroner or or a, uh, or a what am I looking at? Um, I'm trying to think of the expert who does autopsies. Coroner. Coroner. Coroner, right? Yeah. Chief okay. medical officer. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the a, county medical officer. Or it whatever. wasn't a forensic. Um, examiner it wasn't quincy anyway it was uh if anybody remembers quincy oh yeah oh god yeah yeah the odd couple guy we yeah need, jack klugman jack klugman quincy badly now. Quincy was awesome. man i love that god, shit. That was a great he show. always figured it out by oh, the end <laughs> give him an Don't hour always? give him an hour he's got it we had quincy we had colombo colombo oh, just right. like colombo right man. magnum ah. magnum got it done in an hour come on if, if we know? could have quincy colombo and magnum as a law enforcement right <laughs> <laughs> there'd be no crime the crime would be like solved for ready to happen yeah <laughs> yeah and uh anyway i don't even know what the hell i was talking about oh the trial yeah, yeah. so the, the the medical testimony was from the er doc who treated um floyd when he got there it wasn't like a forensic after the fact autopsy uh opinion and uh, I need to dig in some more. It's probably a good thing we didn't get to it. But I saw that headline. And I, I was like, "Ooh, boy, that's damning." They said he probably died from some sort of asphyxiation. And I asked, I asked the beard yesterday. I was like, "I wonder if the." If, I always ask these questions like this because I think it's it's sort of like what goes through my head when I hear this. Like Columbo. I wonder it is. It's sort of like Columbo. It is. Now, you know. One more thing. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> you know. I, I wonder. I wonder if, if, if asphyxiation could also be caused by a drug overdose. There you go. And. I'm just curious. <laughs> you know. You need the lazy you, eye, but you got it. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, what did I have last time? <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that chief of police <laughs> called this called this a racist murder the day that it happened, or he actually evaluated it <laughs> over the last six, eight months and gave an expert opinion on it. And did it change? I don't know. I don't know. The, my favorite one though is when they did one on subliminal messaging. Like I was fascinated with this as a kid. Like, the, like on the, Columbo. On Columbo, oh. you could like you could the, the idea that you could like clip into a film a picture of yeah. somebody like drinking Coca-Cola. a coke or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. yeah. And they did a whole one on that. And what uh, Columbo caught his guy. I forget who the celebrity. was. There's always a celebrity guest. Yeah. I forget who right. it was. But he, he was Columbo couldn't find the murder weapon. He he always knew who did it, but he couldn't. He always had to find that way to prove it. And he couldn't find the murder weapon. Boy, it might have been the guy in um, um, who's the British guy in uh, Planet of the Apes? Peter Laurie? No, 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 um, no, 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 no. You know, you know. Who I'm I know who about. exactly you're talking about. Might have been that guy. But so what Columbo did is 
in the context of these subliminal messages, he went, he got back into this guy's house. I don't know how he did without a warrant, but he did. <laughs> and took And took pictures of himself, like, looking behind curtains, looking under rugs, looking up there, and, you know, just in all these different, all these different stills. He had pictures of himself. And then... Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. That's who oh, it was. Yeah. That was that episode. And then, <laughs> then somehow he, he, he played the video. He played a video or an advertisement or something for Roddy McDowell. And then he stepped back and watched what Roddy McDowell did afterwards. And he went right to where the murder weapon was because he was subliminally messaged into going to check to see if Columbo found it. And he solved the crime. <laughs> the ex is going to look it up. Uh... <laughs> I'm almost positive it was right. It might have been somebody else. but I'm almost Short positive. Fuse is the sixth episode of the season of Columbo and the eighth episode overall. Wow. Like I, my 1972 is... was directed by blah, 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 in addition to Peter Falk as Columbo. The episode stars Roddy McDowell. Yeah. There you go. I don't know if it was that episode, but you have to look at the one on subliminal messaging. Mm. Anyway, um, maybe we'll shoot for a live multicam stream next Wednesday. Put it on the books, folks. Patreon. All right. Oh, donate. yeah. Donate, 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 donate. So here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> here's the deal. We are, I mean, look, was this not an awesome show? It was a beautiful. Great day. You got free phone-in legal questions answered. You got to hear Randy and Loper on the Blitz. You got to hear us banter about John Locke, Thomas Hobbs, vaccine cards. I don't think we had an answer, though. I'm just going to have to go back to that. (laughs) We're not here for answers. Stay tuned. tuned. We'll come back with answers, but uh, there's more to come. Thought-provoking conversation. You got the typical lawyer answer out of that one. (laughs) Maybe. Wishy-washy, gray nonsense. That's the I don't know answer. Uh, So you got all that awesome content. And we're bringing it to you live next week anyway, and we're bringing it to you almost live here because this will get released later today or tomorrow. Uh, and if you're listening to Lawyer Talk thinking, man, those guys are getting good, they know what they're doing, wait till you see the video setup we got going on with the multi-cam uh, video switcher run by the X-Checker. Subscribe. You can subscribe. You can subscribe not only to Lawyer Talk, you can subscribe to Comedians on South High. And then you can go and click the little Patreon icon. What is Patreon icon? Just a buck a day, man, That's or a buck a month. That's all we ask for. A little bit of a donation. Help us offset it. You can give a buck a day. We've got subliminal messaging going on. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been Lawyer Talk. Give us some money. This has been... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need that coffee today. <laughs> right. right, right. So uh, anyway, lots of good stuff going on here at Channel 511. We hosted a fundraiser uh, slash Zoom event. I don't want to call them the enemy, but certainly the uh, an alternative no. political theory. No, that's no. a good way. There you go. An alternative yeah. political theory. And I will say this about those, and, and the point of me telling you that is if you have a similar event by Zoom or you want to reach out to lots and lots of people, we are able to set that up now. That means we can stream you live. You can sit right here at the table. We can set you up over at the interview set. You can have a... Uh, a green screen, if that's what you want to do, you can showcase products. This is sort of like uh, as seen on TV on steroids, right here at Channel Five One One. You know. Hey, do you have any uh, um, stats on that Donate. that thing you uh, Give posted? More money. more money. What? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> on the Zoom thing that you hosted, do you have any stats on that? How many I, I, people? I, all that stuff. Well, I mean, I know that they uh, had a thousand per uh, people uh, Zoom call. Ooh. So I don't know the I don't know the donation numbers. Okay. Yeah, All I right. don't know how much they raised. There were some famous people. I'm not going to go into names or who even right. it's for. I don't feel like it's our place. But um, 
there were some famous people on it, like famous, I mean, celebrities. Oh, yeah, um, yes. Everybody would know who it is. And then what they had was they had a number of different speakers that came on, okay. told their stories, and then they had the candidate come on at the end. In multiple give, locations. In, in, it wasn't in, just in, here. It wasn't yeah. just here. It was multiple cool. locations. Right. But the hosts were here, so they had three people hosting it here. They had autographed shirts. Uh, they were pledging cool. out there. Uh, you were able to start out as people were joining in. They kind of had music in the background. and uh, So that way, too, they were able to sit here in the studio all of them explain what was going on. So it's three people on one Zoom call, and then they had and their the gear audio, and, and the audio that came out of here even blew the. You know, I mean, who was who was running was. I mean, it sounded like the, the radio. Yeah, that's what I was getting. At, and, so. and, and, and it helped keep it clear, right? And, you know, I mean, right. that way they were able to to introduce who the next speaker was and yeah. go through. And, and then and were were you able show. to like zoom in on their gear and stuff, oh, or their yeah, we had it t-shirts all. and yeah. all that stuff that were set up? And yeah, yeah. really cool. We can do cutaways. We can uh, add in clips. We had music bedded in the background at times. I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff going on. And you know, the point is, this is just a this is just scratching the surface. I mean, join Patreon, but this is just scratching the surface. <laughs> About what we can do here uh, to help your cause. Doesn't have to be a political cause. It could be any fundraiser cause. It could be a charitable event. And uh, you know, our pricing is competitive. Give us some money, and we will. Uh, we can. Uh, we can help you get your goal. We can help you get money. We can help you get money. That's right. For your That's cause. the thing. This is for the your platform. This is us. the platform for you to make money. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and for us. And the other thing is, you had a good point, Jay, when you're asking those questions. Is like. If you think you can just do a Zoom like that, sitting at your laptop at your kitchen table, that event worked because there was a command central. Yes. <clears throat> there was Correct. a command central that was bigger and better than everybody who was just a headshot on a screen. And I don't mean that in, a, in, a, in the sense that they were arrogant about it, but it's like if you have like a, like a stage where it's hosted, it's different than just your one person running it. You know, like it's a, it's a bigger deal. It gave it authority and it gave it validity and it gave it credibility so they could raise money for their candidate and uh just join on patreon and you can do that too is that um is that call public domain like on their website or something do no, they that was behind a paywall right the, no. so for fundraising no they, or it, a private invite it was, it was private, private invite, private invite. Okay. excuse me private invite so, so that, uh, yeah. they, they had a thousand seats <clears throat> they sent out you know i mean on their list yeah. of people okay. and the person they call I mean, in and then once you know, I mean, they may have sent out 2,000 invites, but once it got to the 1,000, the 1,000 was... That was their max? That was their max. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then this was used as the hub, yes. the yes. platform, to get, get all that out. Mm -hmm. yep. And mm -hmm. the feedback was uh, the call went well. Oh, it there great. wasn't, you know, all the glitches and all that other stuff. That's what I was getting at. So. No, it was, it was smooth. It worked yeah. out great and uh, no problems. And, you know, we figured out some technology on our end. They, uh, they benefited from it. Rock and roll. Yep. It's the American way. Cool. So anyway, it's been lawyer talk off the record on the air, at least until now.